This scripture has not been fulfilled in a lot of believers' lives. We've given our lives to Christ. We are born again, but we are still carrying the weight of the old things. And things have not become new in our lives. God expects us as Christians, when we've been born again, when we've accepted Jesus, when we've put on his identity, we are no longer to be defined by our past, by our past mistakes and failures, and even our past successes. It's fresh bread every day. Walking in freedom may not mean that you don't have problems or the enemy doesn't come against you. The reason I will do this eight-week series is to talk about the different areas that as believers, you should not have the tools, you should not have the word of God to go back into that hurt, to go back into that pain, to go into that disappointment and look it in the face and say, you know what, I now know the word of God and I know how to apply the word of God to this situation and I am going to be victorious because... The Bible says in Revelation that it is those that overcome that we have special crowns. Overcoming situations in our life is a must for every believer. There are things that we all know we all deal with. Every one of us. But as a believer, you should be able to, after a while, know the scriptures enough to say, okay, you know what? This anger issue has held me down too long. It's time to get rid of it. And take the scriptures that the word of God has given us to fight. And fight and win. And then you are not able to help somebody else who has the same issues. So that's what we are going to be doing for the next eight weeks. We are going to be talking a lot about different things. In John 8, 32 and verse 36 says, And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Deliverance and freedom is not a one-time event. I think for the church, a lot of us, you know, we, we see somebody lay hands and the, 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 the demons manifest because of what's going on. And then we think that person is free. No. The word of God, this is, this is deliverance right here. And so if people have been done deliverance for one time and they go back, what we've actually been doing is making their situations worse. Because we know what the Bible says that if the demon leaves, he's going to want to come back to see if that house has been cleaned and made ready for him. And if you don't fill it with this word of God, that demon is going to come back, find it empty and ready, and go back and bring how many more demons? Very good. And the Bible says the man's state, the former state will be worse. Or the latter state will be worse than the former state. So we are bent on doing it right. We are bent on helping people get free. But we are going to do it the way of the Bible, the way of the Word of God. It's going to take an effort on your part if you're wanting to be free. Everybody has to, you have to do something. So we are going to make available a freedom in Christ. There's a training, some of us have taken the training. Jennifer, where's, where's Jennifer? Could you stand up there for me? Jennifer and Scott are leading that ministry. If you are interested in getting free from something, 
If you know someone who is dealing with something, depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, stress, hurt, pain, different things, people go through different things, mental health issues, please invite them and have them sign up. It's 12 weeks. And you are going to be taught the word of God and how to use the word of God to fight and overcome. Amen? Amen. Psalm 119 verse 45 says, I will walk in freedom. Why? For I have devoted myself to your commandments. Freedom, true freedom, total freedom comes when you devote yourself to the word of God, know the word of God, apply the word of God, and fight with the word of God. Amen? So this week, we're going to be talking about a lot of things. We're going to be talking about renewing the mind, deception. There's a lot of deception going on in the church. We're going to talk about witchcraft in the church. Rebellion, the Bible says rebellion is as the scene of witchcraft. There's a lot of rebellion in church. These are things that we need to be making you know, believers aware of so that you can realize, oh, could it be what is causing this particular thing in my life not to go away? And then you repent of it, you get the word of God, and then you stand on the word of God, apply the word of God, and you overcome that situation. So we're going to be talking about crucifying the flesh. How to break negative patterns and cycles in your life and in your family life. What the blessing of God, what is the blessing of God? What does it mean to say I'm blessed of God? So we're going to be doing a lot of in-depth Bible study and preaching during this time with scripture. So if you've not been one who takes notes, please get a notebook and come to church with a notebook to take some, uh, some notes. Amen? So this week we are starting with our identity in Christ. Our identity in Christ. Who are you? Who are you? Ephesians chapter 1 verses 4 and 5 says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19. It says, Now therefore... You are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You are special. You are a royal priesthood. You are a chosen person. God made you for a reason. You were not just matter flowing in space and coming together to form a human. You were not an ape. That evolutionized to become a human being. You are not. He says in 1 John, he says, See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children. We are the children of God. And that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that. We are God's children because they don't know him. If the world don't know that we are God's children, do we know that we are God's children too? If you don't know you are God, a, a child of God, then the enemy has the right to come in and deal with you any way he wants. So we need to know who we are in Christ. Who are you? Society is trying to mold all of us. 
The media is trying to mold you. Your friends, your family, everybody's trying to tell you who you are. But who are you? Are you your profession? Are you your role that you play? I mean, this, this, and I'm just, I mean, I'm, I'm very honest. I don't like to, what you see is what you get, so. After my husband died, I'm still struggling with it, so I'm not even going to tell you I've, I've, I've overcome it. The role of a wife, when that was taken away from me, it made me feel vulnerable and, and naked almost. And, I mean, it's nothing wrong with roles. God give us roles as parents, as brothers and sisters, as husband and wife. But when you have a role that that's all you identify with, and then when it's taken away from you, because remember, all roles are temporary. One day you're not going to be a wife anymore. One day you're not going to be a husband anymore. One day you're not going to be a brother anymore. One day you're not going to be a sister anymore. When that is taken away, one day you might not be, you might not even have money anymore. You might not be rich anymore. You may not have that job anymore. So if all your identity was tied into that and it's taken away from you, who are you? And that's what God asked me, who is Angela? Outside of good luck, who is Angela? Good luck has done his own. He's poured himself out. He's fulfilled everything that was written about him. He's now with me. Now, who are you? And I found out that everything about me was tied to my husband, which I did, you know, it's not a bad thing. It wasn't a bad thing, believe me. But in God making me realize that I too, I too had a calling on my life. Trying to fill his shoes wasn't the way to go. My children told me, Mommy, you are not the same size of shoes like Daddy, so you can't even fill his shoes. When you felt, in, I felt so intimidated, I was good at performing. I was good at doing the work of a wife. I knew how to love my husband, knew how to take care of him. But when he left, I didn't know who I was. So some of us here, you need to know who you are. Outside of the role you are playing, who are you? And then when you know who you are, why are you here? Did you just come to live, have a job, go to work, pay your bills, have children, raise them, retire, die? After that, what? So your identity matters. Because when we don't know who we are a lot of the time. That's why you get a Christian that's saved, knows the Bible, and the enemy still has the audacity to put depression on you. The enemy still has audacity to put lack in you. The enemy still has the audacity to put things on you that God did not say belongs to you. Just because you don't know who you are, you don't know how to fight. Let's learn how to fight. Let's learn how to fight. So your role is not your identity. All roles will be taken away from us one day. What matters when you stand with the enemy is what you know about yourself in Christ. We saw this in the young rich ruler. We're not going to go into this scripture, but that's in Luke chapter 18, if you're writing it down. 18 to 23, chapter 18, verses 18 to 23. At a young age, the Bible says he was a rich, young ruler. That means at a young age, this man had already made so much money, he was rich. At a young age, he was already a ruler. 
somebody with influence in the society. But he knew it deep inside of him, that wasn't it. That was not who he was. And he went to Jesus and said, Jesus, what can I do to have everlasting life? And Jesus told him, oh, do this commandment, do that. He said, I've done all of that since I was a youth. Jesus loved him when he saw him. Jesus says, okay, go. Sell everything you have. Give it away. Come and follow me. The Bible says he went away sorrowful because he had great wealth. He was defined by his wealth. His role, that's what defined him. And so when Jesus asked him to give everything, he went away sorrowful but never fulfilling purpose because he didn't know who he was. And to this day, we don't know his name. He's not worthy to have his name in the Bible. And then you have Zacchaeus, who was also a rich man, although he got all his stuff, maybe in some ways that were not too good. He went to Jesus too, and Jesus said, let's go to your house. Jesus didn't even have to tell him. He himself, when he realized that his money, his wealth, his influence was nothing, he himself offered and said, Jesus, I'm going to give away everything I have. Half of my wealth I will give away. And if I have cheated anyone, I will give them fourfold. Today we know about Zacchaeus. We might say Zacchaeus, the short man, climbed the tree. But the reason he's there is because he found his identity in Christ. He gave everything away and Christ became his number one. Amen? So who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? But before we go to who are you? Who is Jesus to you? Because that's the first question. Because if you don't know who Jesus is to you, his words will mean anything to you. If you don't know who Jesus is to you, what he says don't mean anything to you. So let's see what happened when Jesus was asking the apostles in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 17. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I am, that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, some said John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who, who do you say I am? And that's the question God is asking every one of us this morning. Who do you say Jesus is? Who is Jesus to you? Is Jesus your pastor's God? Is Jesus the one that does miracles for people? But what is he to you? Because it's very important. You only have your identity given to you when you identify the role he plays in your life. Because listen, Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Immediately he said that, Jesus turned to him and said, Blessed are you, Simon, by Jonah. For flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you, because you have the revelation, because you know who I am, I also say to you too, you are Peter. I also give you a name too. Now you, you have an identity because you've recognized the position I hold. He says, now you are Peter. And on this rock, he got his assignment. 
On this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. So when he got, recognized Jesus, who Jesus was, Jesus turned around, gave him a new name. Have you all seen in the Bible how God changes people's names? God will change your name when you know who he is. He changes your name, and then he gives you a purpose. But only when you know who he is. Amen? So it's important for all of us here... Who is Jesus to you? And if you don't know him, it's very easy. Ask him into your life as your Lord and Savior. Surrender to him. The things you know you are doing that are not right, stop doing them. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. Go to church, get a Bible, read, pray, talk to him. Worship with believers. And you will see the change he will make in your life. Amen? It's when you don't know your identity that things begin to get as believers. You know, I know Christ, I know Christ. Oh, I know who I am in Christ, but who you are in Christ, has it changed some certain things in your life? Are you still fearful? You know, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I mean, if I start that scripture, all of us know it. But you stand in front of your mirror and you hate yourself. Do you live from diet to diet to diet to diet? Always having one part of you, my nose is too big, my hands are too big. And you are telling me, the Bible says I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. God has not given us the spirit of power, but of love, of power, and of a strong mind. You are so fearful. You see what I'm talking about, the contradictions? A lot of them. So it's time for us to walk in freedom. It's time. There's so much to do. If there's no difference between us and the next door neighbor who doesn't even go to church, we are just as fearful, we are just as angry, we are just as confused, we are just as poor, we are just as sick, then what's the deal? How are we the light? And how are we the salt? Bible says you are the light of the world, you are the salt of the earth. It says if salt loses its flavor, what use is it then? It's good just to be trampled upon because salt preserves. Salt pre- gives flavor and preserves. You can add salt. Ooh, thank you, Lord. You know you can add salt to food at any time you're cooking it? You can't do that with tomatoes. You can't do that with onions. All of will have to be at a certain time when you're cooking. But salt, if you miss it at the beginning and you get to the table, you can still put your salt. So nobody's here too old. God just dropped that in my spirit. Nobody here is too old and nobody here is too young. You can start really early when you are boiling that rice to put the salt in it before you even put the water. And if you forgot, when you put it on the table, get your salt, shake it on it. Salt can be salt, can be salt anytime. So you can still do what God has called you to do. No excuses. They were 66, in their mid-60s when they started going to Africa. You see what they're doing now? Let's go back to the message. It says here in John 10, 10, this scripture, when we talk about it, it says the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life. We don't focus on that. We focus on the part that says have it more abundantly, thinking about riches. (laughs) But the first thing you didn't realize is that Jesus came to give us life. Without him, you don't even have life. Talk more of life abundantly. So that's why you first need to get life first. Get Jesus in your heart. Be alive first. Be reconnected to the Lord. 
God is like, it's like an umbilical cord that he has tied to everybody that he makes. Every human being, there's, there's an umbilical cord. That's why you can never be happy. You can never be fulfilled, no matter what, if it's not with God. Nothing can fill that hole because he's put that, that hole in you to connect you to him. And some of us have ignored that connection all our life. And God is saying, it's time for you to know who he is to you. Connect yourself back. Because when you connect yourself back and get your identity from him, then he supplies everything and takes out all the waste as well. Just like a mother. Just like a mother that's carrying a child. But if you're disconnected, the Bible says you have to be attached to divine. If you're not attached to divine, you cannot be fruitful. Not only in everything, but even in your own life. You have to be attached to the umbilical cord of the Lord. You have to know who you are. You, know, you have to know who he is first. Amen? You came from God. You are not an ape. You are not, you are not a self floating in space, the Big Bang Theory. You came from God. Genesis 1.1 In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And if you know the story, day one, he created light, separated day from night. Second day, he created the firmament. And then the third day, he created the dry land and the seas. And see what it says in Genesis 1:11. It says, then God said, let the earth bring forth. So what happened at that time was God actually created things out of nothing for two days. And then the third day when he created the earth, he now started to speak to the earth. What he now wanted to make, he had to start making it from what he's already created. So there's a difference between creation and making. God opened my eyes to that this weekend. There's a difference between creation and making. He created out of nothing the night, the day, the earth. But after that day three, go back and read. God never created anything anymore. He was not making. You might see it in the scriptures as creating, but if you go to the root meaning, it means God started to make. Making things out of what already existed. So when he spoke to the earth and said, bring forth. Bring forth. The earth brought forth. When he spoke to the seas, he says, bring forth. The seas brought forth. And what he intended was, when you bring forth earth, everything that came from you will be sustained by you, will live by you, and when it's dead, it will come back to you. The same thing with the sea. Bring forth everything from the sea. You cannot take a fish and make it come and walk on the water, on the, on the ground here. No, it won't survive. Everything from the sea was created from the sea, was supposed to be sustained by the sea, and when it dies, it goes back into the sea. Let's see what God said when he came to man. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. Teresa, please. Then God said, what? What did God say? Let us make man. Where? In our own image according to our likeness. So when God also wanted to create us, he spoke to himself. Just like he spoke to the earth and said, bring forth, Gemini, the same thing he spoke to the sea and said, bring forth. When he was trying to make you, God said, I want to make you from me, 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 me. I want you to look like me. 
I want you to look like me. I want you to behave like me. I want you to talk like me. I want you to carry yourself. That's why he said, I've given you all power and authority to tread upon serpents, to tread upon all the works of the enemy. That is why we need to be free. That's why we cannot let the devil keep us down. Because we came from him. You didn't come from an ape. You came from God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, the one that made everything. You came from him. You have his DNA. You are like him. You should behave like him. You should walk like him. You should dominate like him. You should talk like him. This was all about. That's who you are. That's who you are. You're not a mistake. You're not just here to fill space. You are from God. That's why he said, from the foundation, before the world was created, I knew you. And I called you by name. And I called you a prophet. He told Jeremiah, I called you as a prophet to the nations. Jesus knew who he was. He says, I am the light. I am the only way you can go through to God. He knew who he was. Do we know who we are? It's when we don't know that the enemy comes and tells us, whispers all kinds of things in our ears, and we buy it. He says, let us make man. That's who you are. You came from God. God made you. You're connected to God. Everybody on this earth, connected to him. And until you find that connection, you reconnect if you are disconnected, connect yourself back to him. No matter how good a fridge is, a refrigerator, if you unplug it from the, it's a useless refrigerator. Because the manual says you have to plug it to the source of power. Your phone, if it dies, if you don't plug it, you might try and do all of that, but one day it's going to die. So how do you not think the one you came out of, you can exist without him? And I hear someone thinking, well, I thought we were made from the earth. Yeah, he used the earth to fashion you because when your body dies, it goes back to the earth, but you are not your body. This is just a house. This is just a box. So although, yeah, he functioned you because you had to have a body to live in this environment. But the Bible says when he fashioned you, he breathed into you and you became a living soul. You got his spirit inside of you. So you are not just your body, you are your spirit. You are his spirit and you have a soul. That is you. We live on the outside in, but actually it should be spirit, soul and body. But we put so much emphasis on this. That's who you are. A child of the Most High God. Loved. Let's see what God says about you. Jeremiah 31 verse 3. It says, The Lord has appeared of all to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And it says, Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. When you feel unloved, unwanted, rejected, That's what he says about you. He loves you with an everlasting love. There's another scripture that says nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing means nothing. Nothing. Thank you, brother. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing means nothing. Not what you've done, not who you are, not what, whatever. God says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Before you were born, love, and after you die, love. You are valuable to God. Matthew 10, 31, it says, Do not fear, therefore, 
You have more value than many sparrows. You have much, much, much more value than many sparrows. You matter to God. You are important to God. God hears you. God sees you. If he sees one sparrow that falls down and he takes account of it, he says he's numbered all the pieces of all the hair on your head. Every single piece of them, he's, he's, he's counted every single one. You know how, how, how many hairs on your head? Those that still have hair? Some don't have any, so that would be very easy to count. But if you have a full head of hair, do you know how many hairs on your head? And God is taking the time to take one by one and count it all of them. And somebody will tell you that you don't matter. Somebody will tell you you are nothing. Ah, oh, Lord Jesus. You have power and authority over Satan. Luke chapter 10 verse 19. He says, behold, I give you authority. Authority. You have it. To trample on serpents and scorpions and over all. All. That's the key word there. Not some. Over all the power of the enemy. And it guarantees you that nothing. You see, all or nothing. The all is on your side. The nothing is against the devil. He can't do nothing to you. He crowns you with glory and with honor. Psalm 8 verse 5. For you have made him a little lower than the angels. That's talking about man. Say, but you have crowned him with glory and honor. God has honored you. God has glorified you. Don't let anybody tell you that you, 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 you don't mean anything. You have honor on you. you have, you're carrying around a crown as you're walking around. You have your crown. So if it turns around a little bit, just, just fix your crown and keep going. Don't put it down. Fix it when it needs to be fixed. But keep going. You are not a slave to sin. Romans 6 verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you. That's God telling you that. So that pornography doesn't have dominion over you. You can say no to it. That lying doesn't have dominion over you. You're not a slave. That when the flesh says come, you just go like you can't help yourself. No. Bible says you're no longer that. The, the sin is not supposed to dominate you. You're supposed to say no. Satan, no. And say no and the devil will leave you alone. You are complete in him. I'm going to stop here today. Colossians chapter 2 verse 10. It says, and you are complete. You don't need a man to complete you. You don't need a woman to complete you. You don't need that money to complete you. You don't need that job to complete you. Just in Christ alone, you are not missing anything. You are not broken. You are complete. Hallelujah. Now, next week, we're going to start with steps to breaking free from a false identity. If you've been carrying an identity that's not yours, you have to, first of all, acknowledge the good that is in you. I'll talk about that next week. The Bible says, acknowledge every good thing that is in you. We are so quick to acknowledge all the bad things. I'm this, I'm that, I'm that. But you can sing. 
You have a beautiful smile. People are drawn to you. You are a good-hearted person. You are kind. You are gentle. You love to help people. Why don't you focus on that? Why are we always focusing on all the things that are wrong? And the enemy just whispers, and you, when you focus on it, it just keeps making you look smaller and smaller. Yeah, that person, did you, you have a right to be angry. You have a right to be hurt. You have a, yeah, that is very painful. Cry, cry more, cry more. You need to start acknowledging the things, the good things in you. And then you need to identify that false identity. If you want somebody who just like work, work, performance, you want always to perform so that you will be loved, tell yourself, you know what, I have this problem of trying to please people. I'm going to take this one and work on it. Identify it. And then you have to let it go. I'm going to talk about this in detail next week. And then remember when you let some things go and some people go, you're going to be isolated and lonely. But you know what? That's a good thing. Because no leader, if you are truly a leader, you don't have anybody around you. They are all behind you. If you are part of them, you are part of the crowd. If everybody is standing, you need to be outstanding. And to do that is very lonely. Very, ah. Let me tell you, leadership is lonely. Because you are such a target for the enemy. And if you don't know how to pray and fast and cover yourself and the people you are leading the enemy will whoop you back and forth. So, and to do that, you cannot be going to dinner with everybody. (laughs) To do that, you cannot be on the phone with everybody. And so, please, when you call and I'm not able to come see you, whatever, I'm spending time doing some things in the spirit. For a leader, you have to realize that loneliness comes with the tough. You cannot be everybody's friend. Be ready to be lonely. It's good for you. Because when you face the loneliness, that's really when you can hear God. That's when you can yield. Because if you've already let go and you've, you don't care anymore, if God says, say that thing in front of the whole church, even if it doesn't make sense, you're going to come and say it. Because even if it makes you look foolish, you're yielded to the Spirit. Amen? Stand to your feet this morning. Are you all afraid to clap for the Lord? Not me. You are, you are not clapping for me. Because as I'm speaking, I know God is speaking to me as well. It's just the Lord is speaking to everyone. I want you all to raise your hands this morning. Pastor Larry had called. If you are here, you needed to give your life to the Lord. That you should come out, raise your hand, and we didn't. So if you're here, I want all of us, because sometimes some people are just embarrassed. I want all of us to say the sinner's prayer. So please just say after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you today to come into my life. I surrender my life to you. I make you my Lord and my Savior. Lead me by your Holy Spirit. And I thank you that today... My name is written in heaven's book of life. Amen, amen. Father God, I pray for your children, for your people. Father, is there anyone here today who is not committed to you and have committed to you this morning? Or is there someone here, Lord, 
who wants to rededicate their lives to you. Father, we pray, O oh God, that you continue to speak to them, to draw them by your Spirit. Let the strings of the Holy Spirit draw on your hearts. Remove the scales from their eyes and let them fully yield and surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. And if you're here, you need prayer for healing. You need prayer of agreement, somebody to agree with you. I want our prayer partners to please come out. I want uh, Pastor Adam and Randy too to come out, please. If you have any prayer requests, if you have anything that you want someone to agree with you, please come. There is power in agreement. Amen? Raise your hands. Let's dismiss. Father, we thank you for your favor that is upon your children. Your favor surround us like a shield. We are blessed going out. We are blessed coming in. To you be all the praise and to you be all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You have a wonderful week.